Hey guys, Binabu presents the MedTech Podcast. If you're intrigued and want to learn more about how technology is changing healthcare, then this podcast is perfect for you. If you want to learn about entrepreneurship and innovation, then stick around. My name's Ash, and welcome to the conversation. So without further ado, I think it'll be best to just jump straight into this episode and let Mark introduce himself. That's very kind, Ash. Yeah, I love talking about myself. So thank you very much for that invitation. Uh, before we do, I just have to say that you and I met first when I was hosting the Bayanabu Summit at St. Thomas's Hospital last October. And I have to thank you again because your help and support during that day would made the whole thing a pleasure. So thanks again for that. Yeah, no, I loved it. I really enjoyed my time. And it, yeah, it was really great to meet you for the first time. And we spent a lot of time together that day, just setting up the audio. It was quite quite a funny story. We spent probably about half an hour to an hour trying to work out how to set up the microphone. And I think we had to get someone out of bed who would normally have been on their day off to try and help us with the audio, but we got there. Yeah, we yeah. got there in the end. I guess I'll try and do the potted history. Um, the I trained as a musician in the 80s at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama in London and then spent the best part of 10 years in the percussion section of the City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra. And while I was at music college, I set up a music agency. In the early 90s, I started using email quite early and taught myself web design. And then in 95, I set up a web design agency, which I sold in 2000 and 2009, just before the recession. Accidentally, very good timing. Took some time off. And during that time, I got really got into digital health. I'd been consulting as well at, at Blue Latitude, which is a kind of pure play digital consultancy in healthcare at the time. And got, I was fascinated by that. And that, and then I went freelance in 2014 as a kind of contract marketing director. And, and now I've got what I guess most people would call a portfolio career. I feel a little bit like I'm sliding into early semi-retirement, which is quite nice. But, and now one of the things that I have a huge passion for is the work that we're doing together at Baranabu to, to create this wonderful community and marketplace for knowledge in medtech. And it's fantastic to see the meetings that we have, those, those opportunities for collaboration coming together, which wouldn't otherwise be the case. So that's a real pleasure. And now bringing us right up to date, I'm sitting here with you in our wonderful metaverse venue environment, which is really exciting. What was it about digital health and healthcare that stuck out to you? What, why did you choose that, that area of expertise to focus the next segment of your career and life into? I guess I had been doing quite a bit of work in pharmaceuticals, in marketing in pharmaceuticals on behalf of the agencies that I was working with. And I know from past experience, if you're working on yet another statin launch, it's, there isn't a huge amount of difference between the available products in pharmaceuticals, especially with the generics coming on the market all the time. And when at, the, at about that time, the pharmaceutical industry was facing what it called the burning platform. Patents for blockbuster drugs were expiring and there was a sort of mild panic about uh, the generic products coming in at a fraction of the cost and, and undermining the financial stability of the pharmaceutical industry. Arguably a good thing because it means that some really important drugs are made available at a lower cost. And at that point, investment in innovation really wasn't terribly 
popular in the pharmaceutical industry. And then the burning platform didn't burn. Those big pharmaceutical companies uh, weathered that storm. And it was business as usual. And business as usual is not good for innovation. So I thought, okay, perhaps I need to find an outlet for what I've learned about digital in the healthcare sector. And it, I found that digital health and the work that was being done to develop at and digital services was what was really exciting. So that's kind of where I made that diversion. I did some work at the Tavistock NHS assessing mobile apps for patient success. And one of the things I remember, and it was a healthy dose of realism, was that I think it's the Boston Children's Hospital where they have thousands of rooms across their hospital campus. They also have an app development team who for many years have been developing apps. And they realized that of all of the apps they were developing, the one that was most popular by a long way was the app that helped you find your room for your meeting at the hospital, not what your blood pressure, not what your blood pressure was when you arrived at it. And so it became obvious to me that actually health, that some of the best applications, digital native apps, web apps are, are, are apps that are useful everywhere. They just have to be, they just happen to be particularly useful in healthcare. So it was, it was also finding the balance between or avoiding trying to create a solution when there wasn't a problem. From my experience, th th there isn't much exposure to clinicians about the importance of marketing yourself and branding yourself. And so I guess it's really great that you come from a non-traditional, non-medical background and you offer a unique approach and unique perspective. So I think what this episode is going to be about is really the importance of branding in healthcare. I think Talking from my own personal experience, I'm a medical student at the University of Nottingham. We get no exposure to what marketing is, to what branding is. So I think the listeners will really benefit from hearing your expertise about why branding is important. Certainly, I could. This is a long, probably a longer conversation than we've got time for. But I've, I'm fascinated by this. I guess one of the things that I've always been fascinated about is how we as humans establish a perception about the value of something. So I could do a little test on you now. I did this at a university at Birmingham University just to test it out. But if I asked you what this, what your view was about the safest car on the market, for example, there is a very good chance you would be thinking of Volvo. Okay. But there's also a very good chance that you've never had a bad accident in a Volvo which means your perception that Volvo is the safest car on the market is born of the messages that you've received, the influence of others, the adverts you've seen, the stress, the fact that they invented the side impact protection system. So I'm fascinated by the way that we establish a perception about the comparative value of, of things, people, brands, products, services, countries, holiday destinations. It's, it fascinates me. Because most of the time we're making decisions about the comparative value of those items in ways that are not based on our personal experience. So there is a marketing philosopher who I've followed for many years called Seth Godin, G-O-D-I-N, if you want to look him up. And he is of the opinion that if, that today, if you're not different, you're invisible. And I tend to agree. So. What we've done, I'm also one of the partners at Chuffed, which is a branding agency. And what we do at Chuffed is we, we explore that to try and capture what's special so that people, things, brands, and products and services are noticed. So we have a, uh, and it works for people as well. 
So, for example, we would go through three stages. What's different about you or your brand? What is better about you or your brand? And what is remarkable about you or your brand? And because then you will be noticed, remembered and talked about. If you if you don't capture that, there's a very real chance that you'll be in the pack rather than out in front. There was a guy called Scott Ginsberg. Do have a look for his TED talk. And Scott Ginsberg is a, an approachability consultant. And he was at a conference once and accidentally left his badge on and went to the bar and realized that countless people were coming over to him saying, Scott, you've still got your badge on. And so he left the badge on for 20 years. He even had a tattoo done, hello, my name is Scott, so that he could have the same impact when he was on holiday. And he, so he, by being remarkable, he became the approachability consultant, not a approachability consultant in the States. So it's trying to find a way where people notice you in the first place, remember you, and ideally talk about just going back, I know when you were mentioning the safest car, I think this might be a testament to the differences in our age. But <laughs> immediately I thought of a Tesla because of all the unique new gadgets it has, self-driving, little cameras. Yes, you're right. But I could ask you the same question. Have you ever had a bad accident in a Tesla? Yeah, no. No. So your perception is created the same way. It, it's, it's really interesting that, those, that we do respond to those all of those messages that we hear, what we're told, it's almost like a, it's like a, a group perception being formed that Tesla is safe, but it's not based on anyone's personal experience really. Yeah. So I guess I've always struggled with the concept of a personal brand, especially with, uh, the coming of social media and this digital age. So could you maybe break down for us what is a personal brand? What does it actually mean? Yes, certainly. So brand means different things to different people. For some people, it's your business card. For some people, it's your logo. Branding could be, is often synonymous in some people's minds with graphic design. But for us at Chuff, and we've used this for the work by Arbu as well, it's deeper than that. It's the, it's effectively the why you do it, how you do it, the values that you're, that you have and how those are expressed. There is also, and especially for individuals, a good example is attending a networking event, either on or offline, and you have the opportunity to chat to somebody. The, you, it doesn't matter how good you are at whatever your profession is. If people don't warm to you and feel as though they can trust you and perhaps carry on the conversation at another time, all of which is vital if you want to develop the relationship and find the opportunities for collaboration. If they don't, they're not going to do that because you're best at what you do. They'll do that because on a personal level, because they warm to you, they like you, and they want to continue the conversation. I was told once by somebody who did cold calling as a profession, and nobody ever put the phone down when they were talking. And the same is true in a meeting. I often, I mention this when I do a workshop on networking and self-promotion for career development for students mainly. And the, it's really important to listen. There's another lovely quote that I try and keep in mind. And that is to be considered the most important person in the room, make everyone you speak to think that they are, and that requires listening because that's where the relationships start to grow. So 
personal brand is really the, the way you behave and present yourself to have the desired perception be implanted in the people you're speaking to, whether it's a room full of people or on a one-to-one -one basis. And that's where those conversations continue. And with some humor as well, I do a lot of writing and my watchwords for copywriting are clarity, brevity, and wit. And if you can bring those three things into a meeting and express and have those be part of the expression of your personal brand in inverted commas, then people are much more likely to talk about you, want to continue the conversation and they'll remember you. For example, I once met a young, a young woman at a networking event and I know some people will only be listening to this so that you won't see the gestures. So I'll explain it. I said, what do you do? So, and she said, she leant towards me. She put her finger to her lips. She looked left and right and she whispered, I count other people's money. Now I I've just told you that. So that clearly was meeting an accountant. That was the one I'll remember because I thought it was witty. It was clear and it was brief and it, and that has stayed with me. So if you're, if you're an accountant, for example, which you wouldn't feature in the top three most exciting careers, unless of course you're a forensic accountant, in which case you're Sherlock Holmes suddenly, and you juggle numbers. It's how you communicate the passion for what you do. I've been working with an event organizer recently in our industry, and we, I, we're starting to refer to her, the event angel, and that's sticking. Even with Bayanabu, as you will recall, we refer to Ina, our founder and CEO, as the queen of Bayanabu, because it's got that nice <laughs> yeah. South Pacific kind of island nation sort of connotation. And it sticks. Yeah, yeah. It's finding your fine characteristic for yourself. So that people then subsequently say, oh, Mark, oh, you're the guy who does that is. It's just finding an identifying characteristic that distinguishes you and differentiates you from other people trying to achieve the same thing in the minds of others and doing so with yeah. clarity, brevity, and wit. I think you've dropped so many gems of wisdom there for our listeners already. So it's all about differentiating yourself from the rest of the hard, the pack. And I think that's especially relevant for clinicians and for doctors to help them firstly gain recognition in the field to grow their practice but also the fact they need to build trust they want to you want to make the patient feel comfortable and confident in your ability and your care and that all revolves around your your personal brand the way you project yourself and so i, I would like to talk about now why it is important for clinicians to be aware of their personal brand. Yeah, the, yet this used to be called bedside manner, didn't it? Doctors, I, I'm thinking back to those rather cringeful, but quite hilarious at the time, sort of carry on movies in the 1960s where yeah. the doctors would be running around in a hospital. Yeah, bed, people used to refer a doctor that they liked as, oh, she has a fantastic bedside manner. I it's, mean, it's still, people still say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's especially important now because one of the things that I do a talk on is that the future of work, the rise of the portfolio career. And our grandparents, my grandparents, had a job for life with the same company. In my case, my grandparents on my father's side, they were, they worked in a cotton mill in Lancashire for, from the age of 14. On my mother's side, it was banking. And, and my 
I remember my grandfather on my mother's side, I remember him showing me evidence that he'd been in the bank for 40 years. That they, and our, so and you come down a generation to our parents and our parents ten, tended to have a job that would last for perhaps 10 years, decades in, in, in the same company. We're currently averaging 4.1 years in the same company for those people who are employed, which and it doesn't take a genius to work out the trajectory of that. And the trajectory suggests that our children will have, the people in my generation, our, my children will have freelance careers and, and my grandchildren will probably have portfolio freelance careers. The implication sure. being that you'll have you'll be doing different amounts of work for different periods of time at different points during the week for different organizations. That's the way I work at the moment. And I think that's only likely to increase. So that being the case, the, it's really important for clinicians, especially those, and we, you and I know good examples of clinicians who have taken the leap of faith to try and bring new digital solutions to the market. That's effectively what happens via BioNarbor, and it's very exciting to see that. But it's a it is a leap of faith, and it's difficult. And you suddenly in the world of business and investment and due diligence and clinical trial, you're in all sorts of areas that you might not have been trained for as a clinician. So it is a leap of faith. But I guess those clinicians who have that capacity and that drive to to use what they've learned to to help find better ways, new and better ways to treat human, so th to alleviate human suffering and save lives. I think that's, that's the drive there. And I think that which, and there's a wonderful video that our listeners might like to go and have a look at is Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K. It's a TED talk and it's, what is your why? And it's a great video. It's worth a look if you haven't seen it. What is your why? Because that's what people want to know. That's what people will align themselves with. Why are you doing this? And it's a little trite, and of course we can all say it in healthcare, but I, I'm doing this because I want to help save lives and alleviate human suffering. Well, of course we are. We're all, everyone in healthcare is doing what they do, but dig into it a bit more. I want to do this because um, I'm doing this because too many people rely on pharmaceutical products to that, and this is an alternative. I'm doing this because it'll prevent elderly people from falling, which is one of the biggest problems with the NHS. You know, why? I'm doing, I, I'm doing that because that happened to my mother or my grandmother. So a branding for a clinician working, especially those trying to generate a portfolio career is why are you doing this? That's what I want to know, what's behind it. I hope that helps a bit. Sure. Yeah, that definitely. And we spoke, you spoke briefly, um, about the importance of, of getting across your message, getting across who you are and the why face to face in person, you gave a great story about the accountant, but I would like to know a bit about how the rise of social media and the digital age has now impacted the way you also should be branding yourself. Yeah. That's fascinating. This is great. Ash. That's a great question and something to talk about because that's where the rubber hits the road in most cases these days, we can't spend a huge amount of time face to face we can spend a little bit more time face-to-face -face in d digital environments like you and I are now. But the point at which somebody encounters you for the first time is in a social channel in which there isn't a face-to-face -face or an opportunity to speak or to correspond. So you're absolutely right. And LinkedIn is a very good example. 
Uh, I started using LinkedIn in 2004. I was one of the first 100,000 users. And because I'm just, oh, wow. a, I'm, I'm just a notorious early adopter. And that is where... Yeah, I was three years old at that point. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's where, yeah, that's where, that's where an awful lot of people encounter bad people for the first time in a be in a business to business environment, of course, but it'll be elsewhere, Instagram. But one of the things I've urged people to do is to what I call stepwise mastery. What most people do and most small businesses do is to, is that they stretch their resources of time, energy across too many channels and fail to have an impact in any of them. I've seen it countless times. I've been guilty of doing it myself. So one of the bits of advice I would give for anyone who has yet to start promoting themselves in social channels is to choose one to start and focus there until you've mastered it and then the, take the learnings to another channel. And the other, which is effectively a way of saying, right, it's about quality, not quantity, because somebody once very cleverly said, D who's got millions of having lots of followers on Instagram is like having lots of money in Monopoly. It's great, but actually what's the real benefit of that? How are you make, making the most of that following? It's really important, but yes, the opportunities out there are now so much better for, for promoting yourself in those environments, but that would be my tip. Focus on the chat, the main channel. There is a concept that we developed at Chuff called minimalist marketing, and it applies to personal branding and personal marketing as, it, as much as it to, to businesses. And that's to choose, imagine you have three buckets in front of you. In the first bucket, you can only put one very specific product or service. In the second, or even one aspect of it, in the second bucket, you can only put one very small workable audience for that viable so a small viable audience for that product or service and then in the third bucket which is where it gets really challenging is you can only choose one channel to use to reach those people to tell them about that product or service which might be it's both terrifying and liberating for many people but it does help you focus on the channel the group of people and the offering is most likely to be well received so i would that would be a that's a stepwise process yes Use clarity, brevity, and wit. Focus on one channel to reach one group of people to achieve one outcome, and then move. Yeah, if we could speculate a little bit and look forward. So we're joined here in the metaverse over a platform called Spatial, which is an immersive, interactive, virtual, 3D space. I guess it, it's it, it, the aim of it is to simulate how we would interact in person. You can walk around, say hi to each other, have multiple different conversations, as you would be able to have in a conference hall, for example. So where do you see this kind of space, this metaverse playing? And how is it going to change the way we brand ourselves? It's fascinating, isn't it? Because I know I use a number of immersive platforms like this and have done for many years. And the opportunity to reinvent yourself is very tempting. But I've tried very hard to, in spatial, you can put your own face on your avatar, which is great. And I think that works really well. My backstory, I don't know if you're familiar with the precursors to Spatial and other similar platforms, but I started using Alpha World back in the early 2000s, I think. That was well ahead of its time. I think then along came Second Life. I've used that quite a bit, which I love. The, In fact, I did quite nicely out of Second Life. You can buy real estate in the virtual world and it appreciates in value. Yeah, yeah. 
I did that. I built my own house and office in Alpha World back in the day. It was great. And it hasn't changed a huge amount. And spatial is fantastic. And it's moving us towards an environment that doesn't feel as though you're walking around in a car, in a Disney cartoon. Some of the virtual yeah. environments I've, I've used still have that kind of beta mode. It's not, it's cartoon approach. Yeah, yeah. This is a much, this is a much more sedate sophisticated and sophisticated environment and you have done a fantastic job putting this together by the way thank you and but yeah i can quite i've never yet i haven't yet done i haven't yet entered a virtual space using using headset oculus or something similar i've, ne I've yet to do that i can quite see that with your mouse or a trackpad with that with the with headphones and the headset on you can walk around and join different conversations and literally look and be standing in the middle of the, oh, that's going to be great. You will know better than I, is that yeah. possible in spatial? Yeah. Do you have a headset? I, I do. Just... I have a, I don't have Oculus. I, ju I just have a, it's not, not. So I have an Oculus. Yeah, it's not, if it's not compatible, we, we can talk after, see what we can do. But I have an Oculus and most of my meetings that I have with Ina are now via spatial and I'm using my headset. Right. And I get a fully immersive experience where I'm using, I have these two remotes that are in my hand, but they almost, they, the way they work is they simulate your hand movement simulates your hand movements gestures and so if i clap using these two remotes Ina will see me my hands my virtual hands actually clapping brilliant um, and she's yeah. always asking me she's always asking me why are your hands making funny movements how do i get my hands to do that but it's because i'm almost it's because i'm using this immersive headset yeah i'm seeing a way that you can't actually get through just using a laptop i'm looking forward to doing that. most people the headset i have it just use it's just a it's just a stereo visual headset with no connectivity yeah you just pop your phone in it and you use an app or you go to youtube and watch some of the those videos that that there's the phone that does the work in those circumstances but so can that be could somebody do that in spatial could they pop their mobile phone on its side on a non-connected headset and would that work yeah I, that's something that i was actually looking into i have one of those headsets where you pop your phone in because obviously yeah. we want to make we want to provide a platform which is inclusive to everyone as well and sometimes it might not be feasible for students or whoever to purchase 400 pound headsets yeah so i was looking into the possibility of being able to pop your phone in um into almost like a little case uses a headset at the moment i don't unfortunately think there is any capability that we'll be able to do that but i'm sure spatial will be working on it because they understand that this is obviously a platform for the masses and not everyone can afford a 400 pounds headset and they would want to as much mass adoption as possible and the way you do that is just to make this platform as easily accessible as possible yeah accessible as possible right and so i'm sure it's being worked on but unfortunately at the moment i don't think there is a way but i guess that's maybe some of the drawbacks of using technology like this as well yeah, I think you're right. I think there is, there's a tipping point, isn't there? Which I haven't yet found it necessary to spend 400 pounds on a connected headset. I've been able yeah. to do what I wanted to do in those environments using my phone and its accelerometer and those, that functionality. The quality is not great, obviously. And, but yes, as it, as more people, they'll become, they'll, we'll hit a tipping point at which it, people feel very feel as though they, in order to get the most out of what's available out there, they'll need to invest in that. And uh, that will come, they'll get cheaper, they'll get better. Platforms like Spatial will support that. And I think 
One of the other things I do when I'm not working with you by an art booth is I run an, an arts and culture network. We have 17,000 members sure. now and, and I started it about 10 years ago and this environment would be perfect for that. You and I need to talk about that. You can't get, I mean, face-to-face -face, of course is brilliant, but the summit we did at St. Thomas's hospital with over a hundred people there was fantastic. But in the, yeah. but we that was at the expense of people who wanted very much to be there, but couldn't because they were just literally geographically too far away. I know we have plans to do something in this environment this year for Bionarvin, which is going to be great because it solves that problem. And if you're, yeah, it's much, much better to do it like this than not at all, obviously. So I'm yeah, really looking forward to that. But yeah, it's, it's, you can't get people from, I mean, for example, if we did an hour, we're doing an event this evening, aren't we? We couldn't get those people together for an hour any other way. It yeah. just wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't travel for an hour long meeting. You would yeah, certainly yeah, wouldn't an hour. Tra travel internationally for an hour long meeting. Um, so yes, absolutely here to stay. And as it gets better, it, it becomes more familiar and the, the world is full of zoom experts. Now it wasn't the case four years ago. Yeah. And I think I'm also excited for the event we will host because we are planning on hosting our summit virtually through the space. So it would be good to see the comparison of the benefit and the pros and cons, I guess, of comparing the summit we do host virtually to the summit we hosted last year at St. Thomas's Hospital. And maybe yeah. that lead us on to hosting a hybrid event where people who can actually attend in person are welcome to. And then at the same time, if people can't attend in person, we also host them at the same time, a virtual event, which will be really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things, one of the advances that seems to be making this work particularly well is the proximity audio technology. If you join, if I walked away from you now, you would hear, you wouldn't yeah, be able to hear me. Get quieter. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really clever. That wasn't so the you case. Just have conversation with one or two people in a corner without anyone else hearing. Yeah. And then equally, if someone wanted to join you, could they should walk over? Yes. Which works exactly great like for what well, when we when you and I were doing the summit in October, we had invented the conversation cluster, and there's a room here for where you literally walk up to a certain panelist's image, and anyone who's in that vicinity can be heard. Yeah, it works really sure. very cleverly. Yeah, I think just as we touch up on everything we've discussed and come to the end of our conversation, it's been great having you, Mark, and you've. Honestly, you've just dropped some amazing gems, amazing learning points for our listeners, our students. And I think it would be good to ask you as a final question, what are your top tips and strategies if someone wants to build and maintain their personal brand, where do they begin? That's a great question. I think I'd probably come back to the three watchwords that I use for writing copy, which is clarity, brevity, and be clear about what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it. Be brief about it because it's important to listen to people. And if you can do that with some wit, you're likely to be remembered. And the perception of your personal brand, if that's the right phrase, is going to be a positive one. So be clear, be brief, and be witty. That's really great. And you actually host a masterclass Bnabu platform, right? Around building your personal brand. If I'm not mistaken, it is a award-winning brand discovery workshop for startups and small. Uh, it is, yeah. It's available. Yeah, tell, it's available. tell the listeners. Yeah, yeah. That's effectively that's the startup or scale-up version of what we've just discussed. 
It's two 90-minute sessions during which we explore and capture what makes what you're doing different, what makes it better, and what makes it remarkable so that you are then noticed, remembered, and talked about. And it's it's the thinking bit before you start designing logos, writing copy, and doing marketing planning. It's the sharp end of it. If you get that right, everything else is amplified in its impact. So it's a workshop for startups and scale-ups. But if somebody wanted to challenge us to to help them nail down their personal brand using the same workshop, uh, we've done that before. Sure. So if I were a startup, a founder of a startup listening to this podcast, and a lot of what you said has resonated with me. So how can I get in contact with you and get more information and more resources on how I can build my brand in healthcare? Yeah, we have, uh, there is... A section, I think, on uh, I'm on Bayanabu, so you can find me on Bayanabu. Just connect there. I'm all over LinkedIn and quite easy to find on LinkedIn uh, if you can spell the surname. And the organization we're a partner effectively to Bayanabu is Chuffed, and that's C H U F D dot com. Great. And so it's been honestly great talking to you, Mark. Great having you on the podcast. Could you leave our listeners with some final thoughts or a last call of action? That's a great question. Dare to be different. Again, with some of the examples I've mentioned today, if you're not different today, you're invisible. So dare to be different in whatever you do. Yeah, that's perfect. And that's definitely going to stick with me throughout my medtech journey as well. Great having you, Mark. Ash, thank you so much. I've loved this. It's been great.